Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. And listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron Show in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Great to be with you. Hope you're well. Good to be with you, as I said, and I'm glad you're with us. So good on you, kids. I want to make it abundantly clear. I'm not on drugs. (laughs) Uh, So now, now that we've returned in full where the YouTubers can hear me, I want to make it clear. I'm not on drugs. Just that I know I'm inclined to like them. <laughs> I think people take, uh, they think I'm a literalist at all times. Uh, <laughs> that was me in college, that picture right there. That was me in college. <laughs> on Twitter, it's at Jay Cameron Show. You never get left out of things. When you're uh, when you're the life of the party, everybody everybody wants you around. At some point, you're like, man, I don't know. <laughs> this isn't good. Uh, <laughs> uh, on Twitter at Jay Cameron Show. Okay, here we go. Let's move it along. I'm not gonna worry about. I saw in the chat during the break, people were worried about recruiting. I'm not getting into that. I'm not. I don't. We'll see what happens. Gotta win games, man. Gotta win games. Gotta hope that um, that is the really the the final element is is my getting this program to where the elite level recruits begin to take notice again. It's not going to happen until you win. You can only win guys over. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! Well done, Sean B. Well done. So, if you can get to eight wins, nine wins, somewhere in there, then you can, you know, obviously you can change the way you're perceived and you have a shot at those upper-level guys, not just here and there. Um, right now, it's just here and there. Right now, it's, it's winning over a few guys uh, who, who are willing to take a leap of faith. 
but I don't think you can in mass expect elite classes until you win. So this every day we go out there to practice, every day that we're watching closely and getting excited about segment groups and improvement improvements in, in various areas, it's all to that end, of course, always. That is true of any football program. Uh, at the end of the day, it's about the it's a bottom line deal. You got you got to win games. I think they'll win some games this year. I, I I think they'll finish above 500 this year. It's a question of how far above 500 do they finish and how do they look doing it? And and so you know, every day we're out there, that competition will serve to that end, and we'll talk a lot about that. I I wish I could be in two places at one time because I tell you, I would surely love to look at uh, LSU's practices. I'd like to see what that team is going to be. I just don't know what to expect of them with so many transfers and a, and a new staff and how quickly they can implement all that they're trying to do uh, with any staff, no matter how good the coach is. You know, go back to Nick Saban taking over at Alabama and losing to Louisiana Monroe. You know, I mean, like, so you, you come in, you can be a great coach, but it takes a while for those kids to respond and to get acclimated and, I'm really happy that we're playing them early in the season. I, I would not want to play that group late in the year. Uh, I think they'll be a much better team late in the season. Take that for what it's worth. If you're a fellow gambler, take a good long look at that team after week four, after week five, because I think things begin to change there. But um, you know, we'll, we'll, it's kind of it's kind of interesting to to think about what they can be or not be in week one for them. You know, I, do you place value? I would ask this, Tom, do you place if, – if so, how much value do you place in the Duquesne game? Because I, I hate that game. I'm for having a game before LSU. That's great. That's fine. I just would have rather had it be against somebody with a, with a pulse. Not, not an elite team. Not a team that truly, if you're playing well and you coach them up well, that you could lose to. But, but – you know, a team that you know you got to play hard. You, this is not that Duquesne is not that. I don't. You might be better off having an intense scrimmage with your own guys than you yeah, would be playing that game. I'd say that I, I play significance in it for any butterflies for first time Knowles that they can get through that a little bit. They're going to be much higher for the LSU game, but you, you kind of if you're a freshman or a transfer that's contributing, then you're going to go through those motions. You're going to feel that, embrace it, and then you'll be better prepared for LSU. But then also, I like it better for the reserves and the depth than I like it for the starters. Yeah. Because those guys are going to get more work together with live reps. Like, so, for example, uh, if Tate, we talked about this a few weeks ago, if Tate Rodemaker can get time with the ones in the Duquesne game, that might prove beneficial three or four weeks down the line in case he needs to come in for a drive in a game where it's in touch and it's a winnable or a losable moment. And here comes Tate because Jordan is mending a wound under the tent. Things like that. Uh, but for the starters, I mean, for for example, uh, Fabian Love and Robert Cooper, I'm worried about them in that game. I'm not happy that they're playing that game. I'd get them off the field as soon as I possibly could. Players that you know are absolute studs, get a, make it a preseason game. Get them a few drives. Make sure the game is out of touch and you can see the way it's being played in the trenches. And then get those guys off the field and get some of the younger guys more experienced. So that's where I like it, especially with the four-game rule for true freshmen and guys that you want to preserve their red shirt. Here's a great opportunity to use one of those four and to make them more capable for stepping in for you in case of emergency down the line. The uh, the reps that Tate Rodemaker gets in that game will be fun to watch. Uh, I, you know, I, I want that kid needs time under the lights needs needs the action needs to play in something other than a practice. 
Um, you know, it's it's got to happen. By the way, again, I I get I know immediately anytime I bring up Duquesne and I talk about the the, the competition that they aren't. People want to bring up Jacksonville State. Jacksonville State would beat Duquesne by fifty. This is not, mean, it's not the same thing, guys. We played UMass after Jacksonville State. Does nobody remember that game? Right. That this that's what this is going to resemble. It's not like there wasn't another game after the Jacksonville State debacle and ridiculous moment, worst moment in the history of the program, that we didn't have a, an opponent like Duquesne in UMass. That it was a no contest by the middle of the second quarter, probably sooner than that. So that's what this is more going to resemble. Yeah, when you when you when you take a look at uh, Duquesne, you, you just got to understand they don't even have the same number of scholarships. It's not. It's not. It's just not the same. I mean, bless those kids' hearts, right? That's 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 what this game is. It's a bless those kids' hearts kind of game, uh, and and I mean that sincerely because that you know, those guys. There's there's a level of football for everybody. They're just they're they're in a different weight class. And the good news is about uh, Tate Rodemaker is you know when he comes in in the Duquesne game, it's not going to be in a two point conversion scenario where he can throw an interception and everybody panic about it, <laughs> like the spring game where everybody's going, "What the hell is this?" It'll be a real drive. He'll be live in case somebody turns somebody else loose. But those reps are, are critical. And he's had a good spring. And I hope he continues to have a good fall. I don't know how he looked yesterday if, if you saw some of those throws that we saw in spring where Tate would headline the practice. In terms of if you look at the best throws of the day, top five, Tate would have two or three of them most every day. But it, it would be a good step, a natural step for him in case of emergency against LSU. I mean, imagine if it's late in the third quarter. Jordan has gone down. He'll come back, but he's out for a drive because he's got a laceration or something, whatever it is. And Tate comes out on the field, and he had a good week the week before against Duquesne. You'd feel better in that situation than if you didn't have the Duquesne game at all. Duquesne, folks, takes on the likes of Thomas Moore, Stone Hill, Merrimack, LIU, Central Connecticut State, Sacred Heart, St. Francis, and Wagner. That's their schedule. Boy, you talk about a kick in the cojones to start the year. They're like, all right, what do you think about the Sacred Heart game? I don't know. I like that one. The Wagner game is going to be tough late in the year. What about the Florida State game? Oh, puke in my mouth. Like, that's the Duquesne guy. That's that's the diehard Duquesne guy. That LIU game is always scary. We never play well there. Sounds like what my CCC played in high school. It sounds like their football schedule. Yeah. I went to uh, Rooney Field, Tom, at Duquesne when I was in Pittsburgh last. And did you run down the field? I did. Uh, it's a tradition. I did. Yeah. <laughs> I, I truly did. I sprinted down the field just like I did. So I wanted to be able to say that I did it. So a quaint when we little place. Conference, and when we get to a new conference in yeah. the next two to three years, hopefully. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Uh, are you going to go to those novel fields that we haven't been to before and sneak in, maybe hop the fence and sprint down the field and take a video of it? Always. That, in fact, that'll be something we'll, we'll post on WarChan. My old ass running down the new fields. <laughs> it's always exciting for me. It's uh, it's the dawn of it. You know, every year, I, I, I've probably told this on the air many times. I don't remember. Uh, I have a tradition for our first home game every year. Going to the press box, I always take the steps and I run up them all nine floors to get to the press box. And I started doing that 23 years ago. Uh, I was so excited about my new job 
and about my career in sports talk and covering Florida State that when I got my first press pass for that season in 1998, I remember uh, going to the stadium with the pass thinking, well, this is cool as hell. I have a press pass. I'm going into that press box. And I went into the um, I went into the stadium, and uh, I, I saw the long line. You, you're trying not to stand out like a sore thumb. I saw all the other members of the press, and um, I I was like, oh well, they don't know me, and I knew them, right? I knew who all those guys were, and uh, they were all waiting to get on the elevator. And I saw that you could take the steps, and I was not aware. I guess it had been a long time, but I was also in my 20s. So I was just kind of like, oh, I'll just run up these steps. These old fat asses can't do it, but I'll, I'll do it. And so I walked in there, and I, I ran up the steps. And it sucked, even in my 20s. This is garbage. Around the fourth floor is when it kicks in. And you're like, damn it, man, this is not cool. But I was determined. So I, I, I do these physical challenges with myself where if I start something, I have to do it. So then I, I ran all the way up, and so I got to the top. So then the next year... First game, first home game, I did it again. And then I was like, well, this is it. Now I got to do it. So I always got to do it, and I do it every year. But I have to tell you, over the years, it's gotten harder, and it I loathe it. Driving to the stadium for the first game, I'm all at once excited and pissed because I've dedicated my life to running up those steps for game one. And I'm going to be, you know, 10 years from now, I'm going to be running up those steps 60 years old going, oh, he's Jesus, <laughs> trying to run up nine flights of steps. But it's a good test. Sadly, Cameron, 68, passed away. <laughs> on, the, on the fifth floor. <laughs> Where's Jeff? The good news was there was an over-under set at a local Tallahassee sports book, and it was the fifth floor. So uh, he bet on himself on the over at $5,000 <laughs> for a parting gift for his family. Yeah, Perfect. yeah. that's it, All yeah. Right. I will. I will. Uh, but yeah, I, so I look forward to the first home game again this year. I'll, you can join me, Tom, if you want to run the steps, buddy. Can, I have the pregame, in game, and post game. Now, I could do a warm up with you during the week. I'm, I'm not above going there after Thursday walkthrough or something. I'm not going to do it twice. So. Yeah. <laughs> well, now, you got to film that, though. That's got to be a YouTube video. I would say it'd be a short, but it's going to take longer than a minute. So it won't qualify as a YouTube short. All right. I'll film all nine flights. You're going to hear it. It's going to get ugly. About third floor. Your take, too. Your take on the team for the season. Go While I'm going? As you're running up the steps. Yeah. All right. Maybe this is the year I do. Oh, buddy. I don't want to do that. Oh, it's going to be an ugly look. <laughs> nine flights just going. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back guaranteed because with ebay motors you're burning rubber not cash with all the parts you need at the prices you want it's easy to make your car the mvp and bring home huge wins keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com eligible items only exclusions apply the jeff cameron show brought to you by orange theory fitness two tallahassee locations midtown on thomasville road and north side in the village common shopping center online at orangetheoryfitness.com
love our partners at ISF. They have been great to work with, and uh, we've been really, really happy uh, that they that they sponsored the Jeff Cameron Show. They jumped on board with us when we made the move, and um, they're really good at what they do. I should note that if you if you work in state government, uh, you know there are real challenges inherent in uh, government operations. ISF can help you out with those visions of greatness that you have, and they have served as a strategy firm for 40 years, located right here in Tallahassee, but they work across the country. They have over 80 unique clients. They've served over 1,500 projects across the country, uh, the expertise in developing strategies. Um, they do this, experts in government processes. Their expertise helps solve for the future, and that's what this segment is called, Process and Technology. Uh, all of that, decades, they've worked with state agencies just like yours if you're out there listening to this, taking on those projects, and it's an ever-changing landscape in technology and, and business processes. They, they do that from direct consulting services and uh, oversight, independent verification, validation, all the things that you need. Uh, their clients rely on them, and they have for over 40 years, and they solve for the future. We're going to solve for the future this weekend. Uh, on on Sunday, you get the, we got a little midnight madness, Tommy. A little midnight madness going on will be fun uh, for for all of us on War Chance uh, staff. Uh, live show only on War Chant TV. The stroke of midnight on Monday, August the first. So, midnight madness we're calling it. I don't, whose bright idea was this, Tom? Who who decided that we should be up at midnight on a Sunday? I believe everybody decided this together. I disagree with it. I I don't think my vote was weighed. How long ago would this have been right in your wheelhouse to be uh, a member of the Midnight Madness crew? Five years? Six years? Where it was routinely okay to be up at midnight doing a show? Yeah, it's, it's been a minute. I don't remember the last time I was excited about being up at midnight on a Sunday. Um, but, hey, for this reason, this is a good reason. You know, yeah. Here we go. Special show. Going to be a good one. We have special guests. This is solving for the future. We're solving for our future. This is who are the special guests? I mean, we can't tell everybody, I guess, who the special uh, guests yeah. are. Now, me and you, we're, we're very special guests always, even though we're staff members. You know, I, I think everybody feels special when we join the program. So, we're the good. only guests. We got we got roped into this. It's just you and me. <laughs> now that would be funny if it's the whole staff of a show, and then it's just you and me. That and we're like up. looking around. Where the hell is everybody? I would ca I would call bitches. We I would be on the phone that minute, just letting it ring. Because I know people they put you, you do this, put your phone on uh, on vibrate, and then you have uh, whatever it's called with a little message down at the bottom. Um, yeah. Notifications. Notifications turned off or whatever. Yeah, but you can hear it buzzing. You know. <laughs> you really can't unless somebody. I think you have to call multiple times and it breaks through. I think that's the rule. It'll say at the bottom, send anyway. I always hit that. Send anyway. Oh, well, uh, if you do that, yeah, yeah. That, that will. It does. Through. It says at the bottom. I do it just to try to agitate you because it'll say that Tom has his notification silenced, and I'm like, send anyway. Send it. He needs to know. I turn, It's 10 p.m. is the cutoff for me, but not on <laughs> Sunday. Not on Sunday. <laughs> uh, so the celebration is the start of football, padded football practice, right? That's it. That's it. 2 a.m. This morning, <laughs> I'm sending to Tom. Hey, hey, send anyhow. No, but that's uh, 
the padded practices, probably the most I'm excited I've been in five years. I think that's true. That should be Sunday as well, I, I would think. Three three acclimation days, I believe, is still the rule. So mm-hmm. they go today, tomorrow, break Saturday for the recruiting event, and then Sunday they return to practice. The uh, the the part that Norvell – well, okay, so Corey brought this up yesterday when he joined you just after I joined you, which is, again, I thought this was interesting. You know, they go straight to install. They went straight to install yesterday. That is correct. The practices are already – uh, are are very very interesting. We're not doing that thing where you got to build up to it. They they got after it right away. So to your point, it was very encouraging to see some of the young players not miss a beat. Guys that have only been here for a spring, you you really realize the head start that Florida State had. He brought it up during the uh, the luncheon address in which he said that ninety percent of the play- players on the team were there in the spring. You really do see. Uh, the practical application of that, how quickly they are able to uh, to get out there and, and get lined up and know what they're doing. Uh, a lot of things that are an advantage to this upcoming season um, for Florida State, and, and those bodies, that depth of which I speak, and the ability to have had so many guys there in the spring, they, they, really, should, um, they really should be better off. Again, this is not an elite team. Uh, Kayvon Gergelson did not stand out yesterday. I did not get a good look at Gergelson. Uh, <laughs> so I'll look for Gurgleson today. Anybody else you want me to look at? Uh, I'll, I'll take a, a, a good look at anybody else that you want me to. Uh, I, I don't know that I got to, I got to look at Maurice Smith. I did not mention him yesterday. I think a lot of people want to know that by the way, they, they Oh, I did it. That's uh, the fourth time. I thought I was, I thought I had ridded myself of the verbal cr- crutch of, by the way, but, uh, I, I fell back on it. The coach that I referenced that I was talking to yesterday, a college coach, he uh, he was excited about the the new offensive lineman as well. And Tom, I didn't, I don't know why, but I had such low expectations, perhaps for uh, the the turning team kid, but uh, I was wowed by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was wowed by it. He's he's uh, more athletic than I thought he would be, and he's huge. There's something else that was going on there in regards to why he didn't perform consistently well. Because it's not the physical tools. He, he's got those. I'm not telling you he's a you know, first-round draft pick or anything like that, but I just I, I thought that that guy, to watch him yesterday, he really looked, A, like he was working really hard, that he was competing, uh, and he got in the rotation, and he looked the part right off the bat. So you may have something with him, too. I think we expected Demetri Emanuel because he's played so much football and graded out well for the level of football that he's played. We kind of thought he would come in and look good, right? And we saw some of the other guys that we brought in in the spring. So we knew kind of what they were. We're still watching um, Caden Lyles and guys like that to see if they're healthier to start fall camp. But I didn't have much in the way of expectations for that kid uh, Jaslon and, and and he uh, he impressed me yesterday. So that's good news. It's another guy competing. Yeah, well, that can change the the nature of the battle at tackle. You know, the competition there because for you know preseason before he was a transfer, you thought it was going to be Robert Scott, then Bless Harris, Darius Washington, and who else? Really, I mean, could Emmanuel flex out and play right tackle? But if this kid looks as you describe, and then he continues that in in pads. You got yourself a real battle on your hands. I think the 
the competition will come down to the final week. I really, uh, well, it depends on the timeline the coaches want to set for having their starters get the bulk of the reps for the game. Uh, you know, I guess you have a little extra time because that Duquesne game, well, you never want to make the mistake that you made a year ago where you didn't take an opponent serious. It sends the wrong message to your players anyhow. But, you know, let's be honest. Again, I've talked about what that game is. You do have, I guess, a little bit of uh, a luxury in terms of letting those competitions play out a little bit longer, Tom. I, th- I think the offensive line competition will play out quite a bit um, because I, I for, th- th- that's going to be hotly contested at the tackle position, the one tackle position, and then we got to figure out, obviously, who's going to be the center. Yeah, my question is, is this a type of battle that would bleed into the season as well because of good reasons? Like, you know, the job is not done. It is not won. The Duquesne game, you can still put some good film out there to determine your fate for LSU. And subsequent games, you've got enough options that if somebody steps off the gas in a week of practice, they're not going to play. What's that like? Mm. I haven't seen that ever covering this team. Not even in 2013, it wasn't like that. I remember you and I talking about the the LSU national championship team, the Joe Burrow team, and uh, going into the season, uh, I remember there was a quote from some of the defensive players where they talked about just how nasty practices were and and how fiercely contested every rep was. And they thought that that put them in the best position to, to go win a national title, right? And this was before we knew Joe Burrow was going to be uh, a freak and, and throw for 60 touchdowns, <laughs> which he did, by the way. Uh, so we didn't know that they had an elite quarterback. We, we knew of him, but we didn't know that he was that guy or he was going to become that guy. And I remember kind of rolling my eyes at that, going, oh, we'll see. You know, you got to get by Alabama. Well, you know, I don't know about all that. But it reminded me of what we didn't have, you know, what we didn't have. We're, we're the, the, the level of intensity needed at every practice for fear that the guy behind you could take your job. The offensive line has that this year. The offensive line has it uh, in a way that they haven't. It will be the story of camp. Knock on wood, we watch that elevated in every way possible because it, it just hasn't been in place. In the past, we've been looking for guys that were suitable starters. We just sat around going, do we have five? Are there five players that you feel decent about? And now it's a matter of, do we have a, a, a true two-deep? A true two-deep on the offensive line. That's huge. It's Jeff Cameron, Show 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness, two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Hey, Matthew, um, is that a doubleheader today? The Battle for Pennsylvania? Buckos Phils, I think we're playing twice today. Come get your ass kicking. <laughs> it is a rare thing to witness a uh, Pirates fan talking smack. Uh, I'll have to. Uh, we'll we'll do it during probables. Tom, bad news. Obviously, uh, seeing Jensen go down today. Camp just gets underway, and right off the bat, we have this problem. That is not good. I am crossing my fingers that it is nothing but Jensen hurt, carted off the field today for the Bucks. And of all the offensive linemen, damn it, man, love that guy. So camps have begun in the NFL, too, but with that, we all hold our breath. It's uh, kind of the way of the world, but if you lose Jensen, 
an emergency signing at center possible. I guess we'd have to look around the league and see who's going to get dumped. Yeah, that's an interesting situation and not one you want because apparently, according to those on the scene at One Buck Place in Tampa, Jensen tossed his helmet when he went down with mm-hmm. injury. And yeah, yeah. A player like that doesn't usually chuck a helmet unless he feels like something's really bad. And um, the general manager, Jason Light, did say it was a knee injury. He was willing – or uh, might have been Todd Bowles, but whoever it was at the press conference offered up that it was a knee injury. So – you hope it's a sprain and not a tear, but that's what happens this time of year for all 32 teams. Yeah, he's a really good player. That's a that's a shame. Preston, to answer your question, he writes, Jeff, now that you're a big-time Tennessee insider and fan, he puts, uh, how many wins for the Vols this year? i got to do my research before I go on with Brent, uh, to, uh, Brent Hubbs, who does a great job of truly being the expert covering uh, Tennessee football. I will just serve as a as a host for uh, Tennessee uh, football once a week. Uh, as a, uh, I guess I would tell you as a as as a professional broadcaster. That's my role. Uh, they play. You want to do a little W's and L's for Tennessee, Tom, with me here on un, un, a non traditional. <laughs> here we go. I'll do it. It's. Uh, you going to play it or no? Do you do you want to play it? No? All right. Ball State, 1-0. Boy, Ball State's going to roll into Neyland, and I, as a Tennessee expert, will tell you that is not a competitive football game, Tom. I like Tennessee big there. That's the kind of expertise you guys in, uh, in Knoxville are going to get from me this year. That game is on the SEC Network. Then they play at Pitt. Could be a good game. Of course, they lost to Pitt a year ago. Lost to Pitt a year ago. Uh, different set of circumstances. That game was at Neyland a year ago, uh, but it also featured a first-round draft pick at quarterback. Uh, who you got in Tennessee Pitt, Tom? Uh, Pitt's still working the slowest thing out at the time of that particular game, so I will go with Tennessee. Oh, rock it top. Yick, yick, you! 2-0! Then it's Akron, and then we really get down to business. We, uh, we at Tennessee welcome in the Florida Gators to Neyland on a Saturday. Let's hope uh, the, the the volunteer Navy, as they're known, get that place rocking in Knoxville for a Saturday night contest, perhaps? That has the makings, doesn't it? It does. Saturday night, Neil. Remember when they had it with Pruitt and they had all that forward momentum and then they fumbled the ball <laughs> and turned the ball over <laughs> like five times in the first quarter? <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, I'm going to give I'm gonna give Tennessee a big upset victory there. Big win at Neyland. Oh, there it is. There. Oh, it's a W. I go with a W. Oh, all right. I like it. Big W there. So we've got them, what, uh, 4-0 right now? Yep, and then right. it's it, then it's off to Baton Rouge. This is where, uh, if you're a Tennessee fan, I, I just want to give you a hug. Not because you're playing LSU in Baton Rouge, probably a night game, probably a fun game there. I'm going to pick LSU, by the way. That's your first loss. But because this is where you look at the schedule as a Tennessee fan, and you go, come on, man. What the hell? It's LSU followed by Alabama. You get a brief respite to lick your wounds, and you take on UT Martin. And then it's Kentucky, Georgia, Mizzou, South Carolina, and Vandy. Not a bad way to end Missouri, South Carolina, Vanderbilt. But that that middle of the sandwich is tough to bite off there. That Georgia, Kentucky, Alabama, LSU stretch will hurt your feelings. Yeah, if they got LSU, though, I'm going with... A W. Ooh, look at you. I'm no number eleven in the country for the next game they play. All right, Middleton. I'll do. Uh, I'm going to go eight and four for Tennessee this year. I'm not going to go through. I can't. I can't get into it. I just did it to answer your question. 
there's Fresh. too much success. That that's too many wins for Tennessee. It's for a your, lot. Like, it's a lot of wins. It's a lot of wins. Look at them. I've been to a game at Neyland before. When I was at Etsu, I drove over when we had an off week and went to a game at uh, Neyland. Uh, fun place, big giant stadium, crazy rednecks everywhere. It's uh, a good time though. Knoxville's a fun little city. It's uh, nothing wrong with Knoxville. I, I I tease because I can. Big year for uh, our friends in Wyoming. We'll have to do uh, Wyoming maybe tomorrow on a Libations Friday. Yeah, Some folks in the chat are asking. That fits very nicely with a Friday show, doesn't it? It does. And, it, you know, one of these days we're going to make it to Laramie. You and I, we're going to go to a game up in Laramie. Uh, that better be like 15th on the list. We've still got to go to an Army-Navy game, sir. My dad called me two weeks ago and said, this is the year. We've got to do Army-Navy. Let's go. He mentioned his health. <laughs> oh. How about my dad trying to guilt trip me? He's like, well, you just don't know at this age whether I'm going to have the health necessary to go and enjoy this game. So can we go this year, son? You've been telling me you're going to take me to an Army-Navy game for years. You've never t- – I'm like, take you. You should be taking me. I'm the kid. So there was something that came up last year. I forget why, but uh, we've got a mutual friend who has the hookup on tickets. I don't know if that coach still is somebody who can grab you. Oh, the, uh, the golf coach. I had to turn down tickets this past year. It hurt my soul. There was some, there was something unavoidable that I had to do, and I forget what it was. But if that offer comes again this year, perhaps a different answer, sir. I felt incredibly guilty. I have to let everybody know. I had the Navy coach on uh, with us when Army played Navy. So we, we did the golf show that I do with Trey Jones uh, on Sirius XM. We, we had both the Army coach and the Navy coach, and they fired his ass. They fired him at the end of the season, and here this guy was talking about how proud he was to be coaching there and how much it meant to him, and they were they were striving to have more success. They were starting to turn the program. It's hard. It's hard, you know? I mean, there's a lot of other responsibilities at Navy. So when the coach of, of those programs is called in and they're going to get fired, do they say he's relieved? Like, you're relieved, coach. Yeah, I don't know what they say, but – he was such a nice man, and I still feel guilty about this. There is uh, – bringing it back to uh, Florida State football for a second, uh, I was talking earlier in the show about I'm worried at receiver, and I don't know that until we get into games anything is really going to change about that. I, I am going to be worried. I don't think it's a particularly strong unit. Somebody asked uh, why Dugans was still here. Uh, I will tell you he coached his butt off yesterday working with those guys. Uh, I, I – I never had a problem with that. He's just failed miserably uh, in in the recruiting department, and and that's the hardest part. But to answer your question, the same thing – Tom and I talked about this yesterday on the show. The same thing about recruiting applies to coaches. So when you're talking about why certain levels of recruits aren't considering your program or how difficult it is to get a four- or five-star receiver to seriously consider coming to Florida State currently, kind of the catch-22 here is that my man um, isn't doing a good job of recruiting and, and getting yeses from those guys. But also, we're not exactly a prolific passing team that is lighting up the scoreboard and winning football games. So, chicken or the egg sort of thing. And when you try to make a change at that position, a lot of coaches look at this staff currently and they view it as perhaps a group of dead men walking. And and so when when you step out of your own sort of Florida State shoes, if you will, and you look at it from the standpoint of, I've got a job, and let's say I'm the wide receivers coach at Penn State. I have a good job. My coach was just extended and got a raise. We're under no threat to be let go. They're not firing my coach anytime soon. I may want your job, 
I may think it's a big step up for me, more responsibility for me. I might even be offered more money to come coach at Florida State because I think Florida State right now has to overpay for that position when they hire uh, to, to be able to entice, to get people to come here. So maybe they're offering very competitive salaries at that position. Maybe they are, just saying. But nobody's going to say yes to that if they think that uh, Mike's not going to be here in a year or two. So that's where the winning of games is going to help, not only in the yeses from the kids, but the yeses from the coaches as well if you're trying to upgrade staff. And again, I don't root for guys to lose their job. I certainly don't dodge having the conversation either on an opinion-based show. So we're not going to ignore that. But Dugans is a special case in that he is, of course, a Noel himself, was on the national championship team, uh, was a guy that was a very good player. I don't think he's... um, I don't think it's a case of him not being committed. I just, for whatever reason, he has not been able to recruit. He has, he has failed miserably. So, you know, you have to hope that they win some games this year and maybe that will entice these receivers. I brought, brought it up with Akeem uh, yesterday. You know, I mean, he, he's, he is, he is going to visit. He'll be here this weekend. He's here. For, yeah, he's, he's already he's, here today. He, he's already here. Yeah. Is A.J. Duffy the potential bridge to recruiting receivers? I mean, because you don't sound like you have high hopes for Jordan Travis producing through the air to entice a four or a five star short of an NIL deal. That's fantastic. Um, is it, is it Duffy? That's going to have to be the one that changes that particular identity. Well, probably, but you know, the reason I worry about Jordan isn't, I, I, I think, I think when you phrase it that way, I just worry that people think that I think he can't play. He can play. He's a middle of the road ACC quarterback. He's not, I mean, he's a unique runner, obviously. That skill is different than anybody else in the league. Uh, but he's not a, a, a great passer. Uh, but part of the reason that he's not a great passer, beyond that's just not who he is, they just don't have you know, great wide receivers to make him look good. You know, He doesn't have guys that, who's up there winning those uh, down-the-field 50-50 battles? He hasn't really had a guy that would do that, and he might, you know, we'll see. He, he, he might have that this year if Johnny Wilson emerges as a potential target with that catch radius, it's, it's huge, right? You don't have to separate when you're that big. Uh, Mike Evans doesn't often these days, when a corner knows he's on a go, he doesn't run past them. They're usually around them. Yeah, I, I think what, this, what could happen this year, and I hold out hope for with the scheme, is if you recall last year, and everybody knows, if you look at the aptitude of running down to down, we couldn't block, and yet we'd set up long, explosive runs per, for production. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. If you've got an offensive line that's ACC above average, maybe not Power 5 above average, but ACC above average, and so in all of these Atlantic matchups, you can produce. Maybe there's enough that they can scheme up and put on film to say, look, I got this guy 850 yards. Imagine what you'd get in this offense, because right now what we're working with is Memphis film to attract kids to come to Tallahassee. <laughs> But if you have Florida State film that says, look at this 850-yard, 900-yard receiver, I know he's wide open on a lot of these plays, but you're going to be wide open too. Now you're going to win 50-50 battles on top of that. Imagine the numbers that you're going to put up with us because right now all they have to work with is Pokey Wilson's 300 and change yards from last year being our leading wide receiver. Well, that's a, that's embarrassing. Yeah, that's embarrassing. That's not a, that's less than ideal. I, I'm going to go ahead and go on the record, Tom. Our leading receiver will have more than 300 yards this year. I, I, I do believe that. I think they're going to break the 500-yard barrier. Woo! Let's be that's bold. Like, what's that Price is Right game where, like, the, the horn of the car honks? Oh, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. 
Will the leading receiver have more than 500 yards? All right. <laughs> 600 yards. Oh. Mm, no honk. No. If you're considering buying a new home in the current climate, you know that demand is high, inventory low. How do you get a leg up on the rest of the buyers all making offers on the same house as you? That could be a toughie. First place to suggest, or I'd suggest, is you start with a call to my friend Shannon. Hello, Shannon. If you're listening, appreciate you, buddy. At Legendary Home Loans. Gets you set up with complete pre-approval underwriting. No longer an upgrade nowadays. Pretty standard. If you want to get your offer on a new home pushed to the front of the line, you need a TBD full underwriting approval from Legendary Home Loans, and you'll shorten, even remove your financing contingency, and the sellers will certainly know that your offer is very, very real. It's tough out there, folks. you got to have an advantage of a proven winning team in your huddle. Get pre-approval underwriting from my friend Shannon with the one and only Legendary Home Loans. Call now, 844-FSU-LOAN, 844-FSU-LOAN, or just visit FSUHomeLoans.com. That's FSUHomeLoans.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. The Jeff Cameron Show, brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness. Two Tallahassee locations, Midtown on Thomasville Road, and Northside in the Village Common Shopping Center. Online at orangetheoryfitness.com. Standing on the corner with a nickel or a day. Good song, my friend. Good song. All right, let's get to uh, some probables here in a minute. I know, Tommy, you have to be elated. You have to be excited by uh, the Mets and what they've accomplished and uh, what happened there against the hated Yankees. Good job. Good job, Metropolitans. Your wife was at that game, right? She was. Standing room only uh, down the third baseline, but right at or sorry first baseline but right around first base so good seats she got to see uh, Aaron Judge strike out three times in huge spots against Max Scherzer which was fun but um she also got to see uh, Pete Alonso go yard again he did he is locked the hell in uh I don't know if a lot of you people know that out there but Pete Alonso is a good baseball player and a good hitter yeah he is really good um better than anybody the Pirates have all right here you go cue it up good sir fire away let's get to it it's time for how you say with the pitching uh, probables apparently the tampa bay rays and the baltimore orioles are going to play each other every day for the rest of the season what the hell are we doing with the scheduling 57 games against the uh, orioles or the rays these days baltimore currently leads tampa bay in the seventh inning one to nothing ryan yarbrough started for the rays and jordan lyles formerly of the pirates also not any good Started for the Orioles, but he had a good day. Marlins Reds, Daniel Castano and Graham Ashcroft. That game is 4-3, to three, Cincinnati in the sixth. Pirates, Phillies tonight. Let's go, Buckos! Zach Wheeler starting for the Phillies. We'll bust his ass up. Zach Thompson, battle of the Zachs, going for the Buckos. Uh, our lineup is anemic. 
could be a complete game shutout for Zach Wheeler. Royals, Yankees, Brady Singer, and Jamison Tyon. We got the Tigers and the Blue Jays. Tyler Alexander. You sick of coochie! Guardians, Red Sox, Tristan McKenzie, and Cutter Crawford. By the way, I don't know Cutter Crawford all that well, but I would I would guess, Tom, Cutter Crawford is one of those members of the club that you just don't like. Yeah, Cutter Crawford might take uh, liberties with some of the rules of golf. I agree with that. Yeah. He spells his name K-U-T-T-E-R, Cutter Crawford. Get the hell out of here. Cutter, are you pitching from short of the bunker? I'm pretty sure that went in the bunker. No, no. No, <laughs> no, no. I got lucky. Rolled out. Just off the lip there. Got lucky. Mariners, Astros, Logan Gilbert, Jose Urquidy. Dodgers, Rockies, Tyler Anderson in Jose Urena. Rangers, Angels, Spencer Howard, Shohei Atani. He's good at baseball. Cubs, Giants, Justin Steele, and Alex Wood. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Yeah, he um, he's, he's always coming through for you guys in the bigger games. I, I wish I had a player that came through for my team in a big baseball game. We don't play big baseball games in Pittsburgh these days, but, man, it's been since uh, Andrew McCutcheon. Been a minute. That has been a minute. Um, we did get your best hitter, at least from an ops standpoint, Vogelbach. But you've got that young shortstop who's like 6'8", right? 6'7". Six, 6'7". Seven. Six, seven. Neil wow. Cruz. Throws 97 across the diamond, highest, uh, fastest throw across the diamond registered since they've been measuring these things uh, for an infielder. Yes, and he's got uncanny power. He, uh, the lever is, uh, is is pretty interesting with those long arms. Uh, it goes a long way, but he's got a whole lot to learn. Ton of swing and miss in him. A lot of empty at bats, but buddy, that uh, bat speed. Uh, I watched him hit one about 450 feet uh, the other day, and it was just sort of just a flick. And you're like, "Whoa, my goodness, that is yeah, that's he, different." He's a lefty, is that correct? Yes, he hits lefty. Yeah. yeah. So what's interesting is we've seen, you know, in, in basketball, wings and point guards mm-hmm. that can now be the size of yeah, six ten, six eleven. Yeah. Aaron Judge is now playing a really good center field. You wouldn't think he'd be a good center fielder, but he is range wise for the Yankees. You've got a six foot seven shortstop. Maybe baseball is finally catching up where it's not a bunch of five seven to five eleven dudes that are on the infield. Maybe you'll have six foot six second baseman and shortstops on the regular. I think Cruz will eventually get moved to right field because he's got a cannon for an arm and he can run like the wind blows. So if he can just figure it out, that'll be a good position for him. He's an average defensive shortstop. Um, he does have, obviously, a big wingspan, and he does have a cannon. His overall footwork is probably better suited to be an outfielder, though. Uh, he's a fun player to watch. He's the only fun player the Pirates have. There's a whole lot of nothingness. I mean, the other day they rolled out against uh, Sandy Alcantara. Uh, Kevin Newman uh, atop the lineup uh, with uh, – uh, who was batting second for us? I think it, – oh, somebody hitting 202, and then we had uh, Tugo, who's hitting a cool 154. I was like, oh, that's a good lineup. Yeah, that's, uh, well, in the last 20 seconds, I'll say if you're a Braves fan, a Met, anybody out there, this trading deadline's interesting. It's the first there, one of years, yeah. so you've got a lot of contenders shopping. Good work out of you, brother. Good work, Director Matthew, Producer Matthew, and thanks to all of you. Off to practice I go. We'll meet again tomorrow, shall we? Libations Friday edition will be fun. Be good, everybody. <laughs>